Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Morning. Um, still going on grace here, but we're on the last of the manifestations of grace that are listed in um, 1 Corinthians 12, um, which is tongues with interpretation of tongues. Um, this one is really the most misunderstood because it gets all mixed up with your prayer language and they are completely separate. Your prayer language <clears throat> is personal and private and you can use it anytime you want. You can call it up. You can step over into the Spirit and use that language. It's yours anytime, day or night. But this ability of having tongues with interpretation of tongues is a prophetic ministry. And it is, um, it is specifically given by the Holy Spirit and directed by the Holy Spirit. Now what happens in the body is when people who don't have the sense God gave them um, begin to jump up and say, look what I can do in the body and it all gets over into the flesh. When you try to gin things up in the flesh, you're going in the ditch. Um, but I'm going to say this to you, just because some people make mistakes, just because some people get it wrong is not an excuse for you to run away from it for fear of making a mistake. Okay? We all get it wrong sometimes. But, but everything about um, flowing in the Spirit of God is learned. You have to learn to do these things. And, and when you minister to people, every time you minister to somebody, it's a learning opportunity. The Holy Spirit may present Himself in, in a supernatural way. Learn from it. Because He's trying to teach you things. It's not that you've arrived the minute some uh, manifestation happens when you're ministering. It's an educational opportunity for you. You're just getting started. You know, we're going to rule and reign in this world with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. We need to know some of this stuff now because I, I believe if you don't get it now, you will have to go to school when you get to heaven when Jesus comes for the bride. If you don't get it now, you will have to have it. Um, so we want to be learning now. This is, you know, we're being schooled. And um, if you don't ever give God the opportunity, um, then you're never going to have the opportunity to learn either. Um, safe is not always, it's not better. Safe is not better. Do you understand what I'm saying? Safe is not better. Safe is just safe. Okay? Doesn't mean we're not all going to heaven. Doesn't mean that at all. But, you know, I read a quote the other day that I just love. If you're not dangerous in the Spirit, then you're wasting your time. And I thought, amen. If we're not dangerous in the Spirit, we're wasting our time. So we want to be sure that we're learning... And that we're dangerous in the Spirit. And one of the benefits 
um, <clears throat> and it's really very powerful, is tongues with interpretation of tongues. And like I said, it's the one that drives the church crazy. Um, and yet it shouldn't because this is an important too. Paul spends a, a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians talking about it because the Corinthians had gotten over into the flesh and they were making a mess. So I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to read a, we're going to read a lot of this, all of it. Pretty much. Because this speaks to order. Um, most of the time, especially on television, if you're listening to Holy Spirit-filled men of God, they will say something in tongues and immediately interpret it themselves. That's the way I hear it m most often. Um, and I, I'm going to read you some of Smith Wigglesworth's one of these days. But um, I forgot the book again today. So we'll get to it. But um, that's the most common way in the body. Whoever's teaching is the one who speaks. And they'll speak a word in tongues and then immediately God will give them the interpretation. of Not the translation, but the interpretation. There's a difference. Okay, there's a difference. But, um... <clears throat> there are times in the body when someone will stand up somewhere in the body and speak in tongues. Somebody else on the other side of the room or even sitting next to them or whatever will stand up and have the interpretation. Um, and that's the other way that it happens. Now, the Holy Spirit is very unique. And interestingly enough, the very first time that tongues and interpretation of tongues happened was Pentecost. Um, and, and we read about it all the time and yet nobody ever thinks anything of it. We've tried to explain it and twist it into a pretzel, but um, nobody thinks anything of it. And yet that is the first manifestation of grace after the birth of the church. Now go figure. Think about that. We're going um, we're gonna to go to Acts and... Well, let's... Leave your finger in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's do lay the groundwork. Go to Acts chapter 2. Don't lose 1 Corinthians. We'll be back. Acts chapter 2. Start with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. Now, this is funny because it's a sound as of rushing wind. A wind didn't blow through there, okay? In all the Hollywood uh, presentations, you see this big wind blowing around. But it was the sound of a wind, okay? That's the sound of, uh, that's what a fire sounds like when the heat's moving, okay? And the fire of God was coming down. 
Um, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them now these men are still sense driven men they're just barely born again believers okay and <clears throat> they had no template for being baptized in the Holy Spirit they didn't even know what they were waiting on okay but they knew what the Word said, that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. They knew that from John's teachings, John the Baptist. So they knew that. They didn't understand it, but they knew it. So when those cloven tongues of fire appeared over their heads, they went, O-M-G. Well, not probably not, but they, they went, Whoa, there's the fire. Okay. And they began to speak with other tongues <clears throat> as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now why do you think that they listed this? Why do you think they listed every nation here? Devout men from every nation. Why do you think this was an issue at all? We're talking about the birth of the church here. So why would Paul spend so much time, I mean not Paul, why would Luke spend so much time specifically listing all of these nations? What difference does it make? Okay. <clears throat> here we go. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded I'm sorry, let me see. Where was I? Okay, dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them, all of them, speak in his own language. We don't know what was coming out of the mouths of the apostles, the disciples, the followers that were baptized. 120 of them. But let me tell you, if you hear 120 people talking at one time, you have no clarity whatsoever. And yet, every individual person from all over the world that spoke every different language you could imagine heard that entire group in unison speaking in their language. How did that happen? How did that happen? Okay. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are we not all... <clears throat> Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So they would have spoken Aramaic. I mean, that's their language. They go, aren't they Galileans? Or, you know, wouldn't they be speaking Aramaic? How is it that I hear them in my language? How do we... Every man, and they repeated it, every single man in our own tongue wherein we were born. So he's going, if these guys are from Galilee, how is it that they're speaking my language? And yet every person there is from a different country, and yet every person understood them uniquely to be speaking in their language. So the guy from Turkey thought he was speaking his language and the guy from, you know, Macedonia thought he was speaking Greek and the, you know, the, everybody thought they were speaking their language. Are you getting that? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and in Pontus and in Asia. 
and Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and all parts of Libya and about Cyrene, strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Every nation and every tongue was present in that place. Now don't you think that the Holy Spirit is making a point here. He is birthing a church out of the world, not out of the Jewish population. He is birthing a church out of the entire world. Every tongue, every nation, every, you know, every people's group. And so when he begins to speak through these people, every person hears the message of God's works and, and the praise and the worship of it. Because the Holy Spirit is interpreting in their minds. The Holy Spirit was the interpreter here. The men were just the channel through which the Holy Spirit could speak. But what came out of their mouths, it didn't matter what came out of their mouths, every person from every country heard it in their own tongue. That is tongues with interpretation of tongues. That's it. Okay? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What does this mean? And others mocking said, mm, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and listen to my words, for these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing that it's the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There's the baptism. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That means speak forth the word of God. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens. Um, and that means servants and handmaidens. That's all my men and all my women. Everybody. I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Meaning speaking forth the word of God. Okay? That was the very first, the very first um, example of tongues with interpretation of tongues. Now, why would, of all the manifestations, why would the Holy Spirit start there? Why, would, why wouldn't it be like some other miracle? Like feeding the 5,000 again or whatever, right? Okay, go back to 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to read this out of order, but I want you to see why tongues with interpretation of tongues. It was as much for the disciples, the 120 in the upper room, as it was for those who were seeing this miracle. Okay, the miracle wasn't... I mean, even think about it like this. If you just saw 120 crazy people just speaking something and you had no connection to it, there would be, it wouldn't touch you in any way, would it? Peter could only speak how many languages out of his mouth? One. You know, he could only say it with, uh, out of his mouth with one language because we only have one tongue. Well, how is it that what Peter preached there Every man from every nation and every country understood it perfectly. 
How could that be, Galileans? Unless there was interpretation of tongues. There had to be. There had to be. For everybody to understand it. And they did with clarity. Now, I'm going to show you why tongues with interpretation. You ready? Because this is an important manifestation from God. It's a very important one. You can't just take this one and blow it off because it makes you uncomfortable. This is really important. Okay. Go to... um, Start with verse... uh, 20 in 1 Corinthians 14. When he says prophesy, he's saying speak in the language of the people around you so everybody understands it. Okay, when he uses the word prophesy in 1 Corinthians 14, that's what he's talking about. When he says tongues, he is talking about tongues with interpretation of tongues. Okay? He's trying to get this straight for the Corinthians. Alright, look at verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. That's Isaiah 28. We've been there. Isaiah prophesied about this a long time ago. He said, You hard-hearted men, this was in Isaiah 28, I bring to you prophets who teach you line upon line, precept upon precept, because that's the way it must be taught. Line upon line, precept upon precept. But you, hard-hearted men, think you know it all. Well, I will send people to speak to you in tongues that you don't understand. Okay? See if you get it this way. So they came speaking in unknown tongues with interpretation of tongues because these are hard-hearted unbelievers. Alright? That's what Isaiah 28 is talking about. It speaks of that. And um, so when Isaiah prophesies of that, Paul confirms this is tongues with interpretation of tongues. That's what Isaiah is speaking of. So now look at what, look at why. Verse 22. Therefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe but to them that believe not. Tongues with interpretation of tongues is a manifestation in the body for non-believers. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not but for them which believe. You as a believer When I say something that would come from the Lord, there's an anointing on it. And as a believer, your spirit should be able to discern whether there's an anointing on it or not. That's for believers. I can speak to you in your own language and tell you things, and you can accept or reject based on what your spirit says about it. Right? But for an unbeliever, for me to just keep talking, it's like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. Because they hear it all the time. It means nothing. But I tell you this, when you speak in tongues with interpretation of tongues, people go, whoa. Um, I prayed for someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit some years ago. 
And I don't usually start out praying in tongues with that person. I usually wait, you know, for the spirit to fall and then, you know, trying to teach somebody how I will. But I was praying for this person and before I could even begin to pray about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just led me to pray in tongues. I'm feeling uncomfortable, but I did it. And um, this person stopped me in the middle of the prayer and said, do you, do you know what you just said? And I said, no, I have no idea. And that person said, well, I do. I know what you said. And whatever it was, I, I don't know to this day what it was. I have no idea what the Holy Spirit said to that person. But that person got baptized in the Holy Spirit then. But you, that was for unbeliever. Somebody probably who was coming at being baptized with the Holy Spirit like, yeah, let's give this a shot. <laughs> Doesn't work. Well, no. You know, I mean, you don't know what the attitude is of people that come. But whatever it was, God took care of it. Whatever the little chip was, it was gone. Because that person said, I know, I know what you said. Okay, there you go. Um, the Holy Spirit interpreted that in their mind. They understood it with clarity. And... Um, so what I'm telling you is, is this is not something that you just throw off as unimportant. You don't know when God's going to direct you to do that. But you better be sure you're hearing the Lord. Okay? You better be sure that you're hearing the Lord. Don't just go out there like a, you know, like a loaded rifle and with the safety off. You know? You can be a loaded weapon, but just be sure the safety's on until the Holy Spirit says, go, let it rip. You know, and then you can let it rip. But don't you know, don't be, because that's really what happens. The whole church is walking around like a loaded weapon and no safety. You know, there's no sense of of God about it and all about it. But um, and I certainly don't tell you these things to say, look what I did. I tell you these things because most of the time I just fall into it, stumble over it. You know, and. I have to go back and think about it months later and go, oh my gosh, you know, whoa, that was really weird. And the Holy Spirit will have something to tell me about it later. But that just comes with practice. And there's nothing that I'm doing that you don't do. It's just we do it in different ways because you're you and I'm me, you know. And I've been at this 35 years. And um, so, Lord, I hope I've learned something. You know, not a lot, but something. And... um. So I've at least gotten this far. That's all I'm saying. Um, Alright, now let's go and just start reading from the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14. So, having said this, I just want you to know this isn't something you can say, well, okay, I like all these other manifestations, but let's just blow this last one off because it's just like whatever. It was so important to the Holy Spirit, you know, that it happened. And you know the Billy Graham story, right? Nod your head if everybody knows Billy. Okay, not everybody knows the Billy Graham story. I don't think. I don't know. Okay. 35 years ago, um, when I, I really started to get on fire for the Lord, I was beginning to look for the deeper things. I asked my pastor and discovered suddenly that he didn't have it as much as of God as I did, and I didn't have anything, you know. I wasn't getting anything. Dry as a bone. And... Um, um, I landed in um, Ron and Betty Markwood's lap. God just dropped me right in their lap. And truthfully, I thought Betty was a lunatic. <laughs> you know, I, <clears throat> yeah. 
And um, I was trying to get something of God on my own because I was just a desperate person. I'd hit the wall. I was miserable. My life was just like crumbling around me. I, I was just so unhappy. And um, just day by day by day, he took me right over into you know where they were. And um, out of that, I came to the place where I could start to receive. I was like that little sponge. You know, you get the first drop of water. Then you get the second drop and the fifth drop. Okay. So now I'm reading anything and everything I can find. Anything I can get my hands on that said Holy Spirit. Well, who more intelligent in the entire religious world than Billy Graham? You know, I'm going, that's the book. I bought the book. It's like this thick. And I read the whole thing cover to cover. Got to the end of it and I was devastated. Because Billy Graham led me to believe that there wasn't any more God than I had. So just suck it up. This Holy Spirit nonsense. Yes, it was in the book of Acts. But we have moved on. And um, so, you know, don't just like stay where you are. And I, I was really devastated. But I... I asked Betty Marklet about it. And she said, oh my gosh, don't even listen to that. And she took me around it. But years later, years later, I'm watching some Christian TV show. Billy Graham's on. And somebody asks him, uh, you know, in your life, uh, what thing, what do you regret? What do you regret? And, you know, he said, well, I regret not spending more time in prayer. And I regret that. But he said, one thing that I really do regret is... Um, a book that I wrote on the Holy Spirit a couple years ago. And he said, I can't take it back. And um, he said, this is why. He said, I, I discounted uh, Holy, 1 Corinthians 12. He said, I, I told people that it, that it was over. And he said, um, shortly after that book was published, he was preaching in a big old service. And um, he said he ran out of time on his sermon. So he said, um, because time was short, he just cut it off, summed it up, and sat down. Had a good chunk of it left, but he just didn't have time to finish it. And um, he sat down, and just about the time he sat down, he said some person jumped up in the audience and began to speak in tongues. And he said he was enraged, and he wanted the ushers to get that person out, that it was making a mess of the service. And the person just kept going and kept going, and finally the ushers got there, but it was too late because the person had sat down. And um, before anybody could get up and take control of the service, a person on the other side of the room jumped up and interpreted what was said. It was the end of Billy Graham's sermon. Nobody knew the end of that sermon but Billy Graham. And he said, I learned that I don't know everything. Now, did he ever get baptized? To the, I believe he was a baptized anointed person. I just don't think he ever exercised any of the manifestations. They were all there, but I don't think he exercised any of them as far as, you know, seeing those things happen in his life other than every sermon that came out of his mouth was prophecy. He was speaking the word of God. It was very anointed. And he was a God-given preacher and he did what he was supposed to do. But do I think there was more? Oh, yeah. And do I think God was telling him there was more that he was missing? Oh, yeah. But Billy Graham learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. And thank God I heard that because I just kept going there. I thought, well, hey, if he missed it, somebody else might. I'm going on. You know, and um, so why tongues with interpretations in that service? 
because Billy Graham was an unbeliever. He believed God. He believed in Jesus Christ. He believed in the work of the cross. But he was an unbeliever in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So God made the point very clearly, didn't he? Okay, that's what tongues with interpretation of tongues is for. To make the point to an unbeliever. And um, so we can never, ever, ever discount it. Kenneth Copeland tells a similar story. Mm -hmm. I was just listening to. He and Oral Roberts were together and they were there was a young Mexican man there and this the service was over and everybody was leaving and this man just kept hanging around and Kenneth was new in ministry and he said I know the Lord told me to go over lay hands on him and pray in tongues and he said I didn't want to do it he said I did not want to do it and he said nobody was leaving everybody was standing there and he said didn't Oral Roberts put this young man in our car and drive him home he said I mean I was literally the Lord stuck me with him so he said finally Oral Roberts said before they let the young man out of the car he said now let's let's pray with him and Kenneth says I was so excited because I thought Oral was going to do it and he said he didn't so he said I just did it he said it just blurted out and I just prayed over him in tongues and he said this young man started crying, same thing, do you know what you just said to me? And Kenneth said, I have no idea what I said to you. And he said, well, you just spoke in Spanish, and then you went to another language back to Spanish, and you just confirmed what the Lord had been. He wanted this young man to go into ministry, and the young wow. man wouldn't do it. And he said, you send me, you send me a sign from a white man. Because he didn't trust yeah. anyone mm. in his... It was pretty... It was interesting. But I just listened to that this week. There you go. On a teaching. And go. Kenneth said, I have no idea what I said to mm -hmm. him. But I was obedient. There you go. And um, that's, uh, that's all we have to do is be obedient. And, you know, if it's a, sometimes it's a buzz. Um, I mean, some of the, the most powerful healing ministries in, in this country right now will tell you that they, not everybody gets healed. Not everybody you know, when you minister to them, ends up where they're supposed to be. But if you do not give God the opportunity, what is lost? If you don't step out and at least try. Um, doesn't matter if the world goes, well, you know what? They're only getting like 60% of those people healed. 40% are going, oh, my healed. What kind of ministry is that? And I'm going, you know what? What other kind can you see 60% of the people that come get healed? You know, sure don't see much of that around. You know, people just praying for you. I don't know what the hospital, <laughs> you know, what their success rate is, but they don't win all the time either. And um, But you and I have to continue to move forward. Um, we cannot let, we cannot be afraid that somebody's not going to receive healing, so we're not going to pray for anybody. You have to get out on the limb and believe God and let him do his thing. Now, will everybody get healed? No, but you know what? There's a, there's you. You're the vessel. You bring the anointing as close as you can get it to people. And if you're going to have to speak in tongues with interpretation tongues, go for it. Whatever it takes to get to that person to bring that anointing as close as you can. Listen for words of wisdom. Listen for words of knowledge. Whatever it takes. That's what we do. Now, there is a receiver on the other end. And we don't have any control over that. We don't have any control over that. All we have control over, and God doesn't either. You know, if God had control over us, he'd just keep us all healed and well. And we'd be little robots. Everybody walk around, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And, and that would be it. But God is a lover of men. He gave everybody free choice. 
And then he begged in Deuteronomy. He said, I put before you today life and death. Choose life. Choose life. You have to choose it. And some people don't. Some people choose the death pronouncement over the life pronouncement because they hear it more. Um, I, my heart aches for people with um, you know, terminal cancer um, because you come to church and you hear a half-life me- message. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, which is a lie. And then you hear the doctors pronounce every grim, horrible, ugly thing they can over you. And then what do you have? You have one person that's willing to pray for you to be healed. Well, how strong is your faith? You know, how strong are you on the inside to be able to receive that? You might receive it and you might get your healing the minute you're prayed for. But then you walk back in the world and you give it up. You know, so what what happens on the other end is not us. What happens on the other end is, is that person and God. Um, but you can be sure about your end with God. You can always be sure about your end. And you can pray with absolute surety that it's His will for everybody to be healed. It is His will. Um, clear up to raising people from the dead. That's His will. That's He doesn't want anybody dying before their time. He just That's the curse at work here. And you and I are, are to break that curse. I, I'm going to show that to you later. But um, we're put here to do that, to break that curse in the earth. Um, so just be bold. You know, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? You know, but... You know, Joseph Prince does a really beautiful teaching on faith, too. And he says mm-hmm. it's not even about our faith. It's about no. Jesus' faith. That's right. Because by his stripes we were healed. It was That's his right. faith. That's right. It's not even That's our right. faith. No. And we, we just walk in what we know to be true. I love him, too. And we have to take the kingdom to everybody else. You know, whether or not they accept or reject, they just do. But look at Jesus' ministry. Not everybody got healed. Not everybody got ministered to. Most of his hometown didn't get healed. Nobody there could believe for healing. Wasn't Jesus, the power to heal showed up everywhere he went because he was anointed. But um, they didn't get healed because they didn't receive it. That's why they didn't get healed. They didn't receive it. And... um. Um, so even he didn't bat a thousand, you know. And he, and he stepped over all those people at the pool of Shalom and ministered to one man. He didn't go in there and heal everybody at that pool. But he found the one man that God sent him to. So you and I are to do the same thing. You're not going to go in the hospital and pray for everybody. But you are going to be available to pray for the people that God puts in your life. You know, um, all you have to do is just say, would you let me pray for you? Most people will say, yeah. If they say no, you go, okay, well, I'll just pray for you at home. Love you. You know, but but how, if you don't ask, how are they ever going to have the opportunity to experience it? And sometimes you know. when they say no, they come back to you later. They do, because they've had time to think about it. You know, maybe they're not desperate enough yet. I'm serious. Maybe they're not desperate enough yet. So, um, all right, now let's go back and just... Let's read 1 Corinthians 14. Right, let's just read it. Because Paul just lays everything out so beautifully here. Um, okay. Follow after love and desire spiritual benefits, but rather that you may prophesy. 
And that just means speak forth what God tells you in your heart that you need to say to somebody. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no man understands him, albeit in the spirit. Now he's talking about praying in tongues here. Okay? Um, Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks to men unto edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that all of you spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret. That the church may receive edifying. Now brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except that I shall speak to you neither by revelation or by knowledge or by prophecy or by doctrine? And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, <coughs> except they give a distinction in the sounds, how would it be known what is piped or harp? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself to battle? So likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian to me. And the barbarian just means a foreigner. Even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual manifestations, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Um, therefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now he's talking here in a body, in a meeting, in a prayer meeting. Okay? Now, I would tell you this. You can sit quietly in church and pray under your breath in your own tongues and not disturb anybody around you and be over in the spirit realm in about a half a second. And that's fine. Just don't jump up and shout it out. That would be stupid unless you're going to interpret it. Okay? And in this church, that might be stupid. <laughs> you could be like stoned. Okay. I was laughing with somebody this weekend about that. I said, this is like contraband in the Methodist church. We're like talking dark stuff here. <clears throat> but I love it. Okay. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. Um... I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. And the word with there is the word instrumentally. E-N-N. And it means instrumentally. I will pray instrumentally by the Holy Spirit. I will sing instrumentally by the Holy Spirit. There are times when, you know, I don't, I don't know the words to the song that we're singing. So I just sing in tongues. Not loud, but just, you know, carry the tune. Put the Holy Spirit's words to it. You're not going to gross somebody out because they're not listening to you anyway. You know, and you don't have to sing loud and be obnoxious, but but you can enjoy the the tune and and still enjoy being in the spirit. You don't have to get out of the spirit just because you don't know the words. Just praying, you know, singing tongues. It 
It's perfectly fine. Okay. Else, when you bless with the Spirit, how will he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks, seeing that he understands not what you say? So one of the important reasons of speaking in your understanding is so that everybody can agree with you. You know, there's power in agreement. When two or more agree is touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them. If they don't know what you're saying, they can't agree. Okay. For you verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank God I speak tongues more than all. I speak with tongues more than all of you. And yet, in the church, meaning in the congregation, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding and by, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be you children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that don't believe. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say... That you are mad? Of course they will. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believes not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he's judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down on his face, he will worship God, and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done to edify. If any man speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak, two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Do you see that? Underline that. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You can never say, oh, I couldn't help it. The Holy Spirit drove me to do this. No. No. You always are in control. And if anybody says that to you, just write them off right there because they are absolutely wrong. The Holy Spirit will never take hold of you and make you a puppet. You always are in control of yourself. And see, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So people who get to be nutballs, I know right away they are off their game. Then you just write that off quickly. But just because they're nutballs doesn't mean you shouldn't go for everything God's got mm -hmm. and not be the nutball. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Okay, we're going to stop right there with it. Um, if there's chaos, it's not of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Prayer meeting is more like what a, a church service was years in the beginning when when the believers would get together they just come together because they love God in one mind and one spirit and they would praise God they'd start by praising God psalms and hymns 
you know. Um, then, then they would just let the Holy Spirit fall in the praise. And somebody might have a word of prophecy. Somebody might have a teaching. Somebody might have something else. Um, but everything is done in order. It was always done in order. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit controls the service, it's always in order. You know, God is not a God of chaos. So you can fully trust that. Um, it's on Monday nights. And, and I would suggest to you, if you, you know, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come on Monday night. You know, we all, we all started somewhere. I think most of us started on Monday night. And you just come on a Monday night at 7. We'll pray for you and get you rolling because you need this. Um, but we're there every Monday night at 7 o'clock. And um, the, the sad thing about it is, and this is for me, prayer is the dynamo of the church. Prayer is what makes the church run. Some people just say, oh, prayer's the covering, prayer is the... No, prayer is the power in the church. Man, what happens in ministry when the church goes out depends on what went on in the prayer room, on the prayer, you know, in the prayer service. Um... It is directly proportional. The power of the ministry in the church is directly proportional to the amount of prayer that has gone up first. Because prayer is the warfare. Prayer is kidding head on against the kingdom of darkness. Head on and destroying the strongholds and moving the enemy out of the way. Ministry, when you go out and minister in the church for whatever, you know, you're just picking up the spoils. The battle's over. The enemy's dead. So when, when, when people are ministering in the church in these little ministries, and they're good, you've got to ask somebody to pick up the spoils. They're just picking up the spoils. The success of a church is not dependent on the ministries. The success of the church is dependent on the prayer. And the prayer meeting is key. This is the thing that always gets me, and, and the Lord has to work on me about this so I don't get discouraged. But right now we meet every Monday night at 7 o'clock. The average number of people that show up every Monday night, six. Six people. And of that six, three belong to this church. Three. Could you think of what's going on in this church and how it's being carried by just a handful? What would happen if a whole bunch of spirit-filled people filled up that church every Monday night praying in tongues, seeking the Holy Spirit? What do you think might happen here? Who knows what might happen? But what I'm saying is it's there. Every Monday night, 7 o'clock, we're always there like clockwork. And the thing is, is we just come in, we turn it over to the Holy Spirit, we listen to some praise music, we, sometimes we all pray out loud, sometimes nobody prays out loud. Sometimes the Spirit falls so heavy you just can't hardly even lift your arms. Sometimes people get up and walk around. Sometimes people prophesy. Sometimes people just, you know, sometimes we just, we just sit for an hour because we just can't move in the presence. You know, just praying in the Spirit. You never know what's going to happen. But people come and go. You're not stuck. You know, you just get up and go when you have to go. You come when you, you know, want to come. Get up and go when you have to go. But um, there is a place where you can get into the presence of the Lord. Nobody is forced to pray out loud. 
Nobody is forced to say anything. We'd have people come. I remember Ralph. When Ralph started coming, <laughs> ah, he came in just like a little lost boy. I was so proud of him because that took guts well, to walk yeah, into that prayer meeting. Said, it took me, lots of guts. And you didn't think I would come. I didn't. <laughs> and there he was. There was a man determined to get something from God. Well, you know, How long did you come? You came for months and you sat in a little pew all by yourself. Didn't pray out loud. You just came to get something from God. And, uh, and sometimes I would fall asleep. Yeah. Because that, that That's right. That's the only piece I was getting at. That's right. Lots of times that happens. Because Julie Rose was praying for somebody in the Sunday school class. And God's over here making somebody. Yeah. Uh, he just built me. In two years, he built me. There you go. But and Ralph didn't go. leave. I had to go mm -hmm. do something. That's yeah, right. I don't know. He, you did. He sent you out. He got you spirit filled. Yeah, you you did. He got you spirit filled, and he sent you out to minister. You know, you had your Pentecost moment, and you went out to minister, and that's what you did. But that, Faye, you know, I see yeah, Faye and, yeah, and it, it, it scared me so bad. I just wanted to run out the door and rethink the whole right. Thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, seriously, you know, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but I didn't. No, I never did. No, I always come back. That's right, because you knew, down in inside, yeah. you knew. Uh, and he's not the only one. Shar and Dave came that way. Yeah. Broken people didn't even know each other. He was broken and crying out to God on one side of the church back there. She was broken and crying out to God on the other side of the church. Neither one of them saved, and and um, they came that way. I mean, I can't tell you the countless number of people that have just come. But you're you're not ever under pressure to do anything. You just you just come and find a pew, climb in the Lord's lap, and be still. That's all you're required to do. And if you want something from him and you you are desiring it, we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we'll lay hands on you. Yeah. Deanna just got oh, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And I, when you said about if, if we if we, you know, had like the church and, and I just think, wow, we would light this little community on fire mm -hmm. and it would ripple out and, and mm -hmm. you know it I can't even imagine yeah. what that would look like, but it yeah. would be wonderful. From that small seed of people, though, look at where it's gone now Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely. It's made you a know? huge difference in my life. Yeah. And, and everything that we've read and learned here, it's starting to really connect. I mean, I'm just getting started. So. <laughs> well, aren't we all just getting but, started? But it's oh, really my. starting to connect, and I'm starting awesome. to see full circle about things that have happened in the past mm -hmm. that I would have never, right. never thought, oh, wow, now I know why that happened. Right, but, right. And I'm starting to see it more in the present, mm -hmm. <laughs> too. So I'm, I'm choosing a lot more wisely because yeah. of it. It's yeah. made a difference. It's made a huge difference. It does make a huge and difference. And I've felt his presence before, but nothing like that. Mm -hmm. I've felt his presence for a long time, and I think it's just him gnawing at me. Mm -hmm. And I just, oh my gosh, years went by. Right. But for I'm all not going to let that happen again. No. I mean, well, once you've tasted it, you're, you're never going to go back anyway. It's, it's, it's good. But all I'm saying to you is, is just come. You know, what have you got to lose? You have everything to gain, nothing to lose. So if you haven't, Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even if you have. Just come. Make it, you know, what I find is this. If it's something you're passionate about, the time will be there. You know? The enemy's tried really hard to keep Miss Marty away lately, but in Jesus' name we keep praying her back in. But um, 
the enemy will do that. He'll try to keep you away. But you know what? If you have a passion to do something, you'll be there. I don't care what it is, you know. It could be a tractor pull. If you want to be at the tractor pull, it won't matter what else is going on in the world. You'll be at the tractor pull, right? Or the football game. Because for me, it would be football. Oh, football. Okay. Go SEC. Anyway. Um... That would be for me. But you know what? I find that if you want something bad enough, you'll figure out how to get the, get it in in your life. You'll work it in no matter what. But that shows your level of desire and passion. Poor little Ralph, he was there every Monday night. And sometimes he was the only guy. You know? And most of the time he was. But he never moved. He did not budge. He just stayed there. He didn't pray out loud. You just, you know, you just come and do business with the Lord. Or sleep. Because we've had, he's not the only sleeper. Some people just need oh, that peace. Yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah, that a lot. that's right. People people get so stressed and so exhausted in the world. You know, God says, come on, just put your head down in my lap. Let's go to sleep a minute. And he, he gives you a rest that you don't get. It's a supernatural rest. You know, he'll give you something. Yeah, it, it, it's just a great uh, time with the Lord. He gets you out of the world, you know, and into the spirit for a minute. And um, so just think about it. I'm not... You know, I, I am not even going to take role. I never do. I don't care. Just, you know, what you can do, you can do. But um, um, if you want to come and you can't come at 7, you can come later. Um, just come up to the sanctuary. If you don't have a, a number to get in, uh, just call the office and tell them you you want to be you're, you want to be part of the Monday night group, but you can't always get in. And they'll give you your own secret password to get into the church on Monday nights. So you can let yourself in between seven and nine or whatever, and um, you know if you if you can only stay thirty minutes, stay thirty minutes. But y you know, just fight for it. Yeah, Kath. Sandy, I think like, people here need to be aware that we do pray over the requests out of the basket. We do. We do. Oh, yeah. I mean, every every Monday night, if Sandy gets them out or Lee or whoever's there, and, and then she hands them out, and we pray all week long for our list of people. Yeah. That's important too. Those it prayer is. requests aren't just being thrown in the basket. Right. We try. Yeah, we do. We just keep things covered, and you know, sometimes we'll find ourselves for weeks praying just for the church, just for the church. Sometimes we find ourselves for weeks praying for people who have desperate needs in the church. Sometimes, you know, you just never know where God's going to lead us with prayer, and um, sometimes we spend a whole night praying out loud and agreeing with each other. But um, if you need agreement in prayer, pray out loud. If you don't need agreement. You know, you just know we're here in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. We're all in Spirit, praying and um, in agreement in the Spirit, so we're good. And if you, you know, if you don't want anybody else knowing, just pray in the Spirit and then say Amen, because the Holy Spirit prayed, you would just agree with Him. You know, and now you're in agreement. When two agree is touching anything, they ask. So you just say Amen, Lord. That's what I'm saying. Whatever it is, that's what I'm saying. And um, just go with it, you know, from that standpoint. And... Um, uh, but I just want you to know that it's there and it's kind of a, not kind of, it is a little bit of a pet peeve with me that, you know, as big as this church is almost a thousand people, we have three to four people from our church on Monday nights. Um, but that's, you know, it, it, it's a teaching and it's, it's understanding what it is and but if it weren't for this class, I don't think I would, I don't, I don't think ever, any church I've ever been to has really touched base on it like like this class is touch base on. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been, I mean, I really thought I, I would have never known about it either. Doing the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, up until six months ago. And 
You know, even with him yeah. gnawing at me for the last how many years, yeah, I, I just wouldn't have even. You don't know where to start. No, mm -mm. no. Well, that's what so I ran it's into. It's just a shame because yeah. there's so many missed opportunities. There have to be missed opportunities if mm -hmm. nobody's talking about it. That's it. That's it. And uh, yeah, it is. I, I've been reading a lot of John Wesley's writings lately, and. Um, he, uh, I just, I read a letter yesterday, and I can't remember to who the gentleman was now, but he, say like a 20-page letter, he's very wordy, but he was fighting in defense of 1 Corinthians 12, and the evidence of all of the manifestations of grace. He was defending that against somebody who had publicly, you know, said that that's not true, and uh, Wesley fierce fearlessly defended, you know, all of those manifestations. Um, so we have a rich heritage, but we've just gotten sort of fat and lazy. You know, we don't even know. We're just, you know, we got our little heads in the sand and we just keep moving and there's so much. And the more you n know, the more exciting it gets. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just c come any Monday night. And if you if you don't want to come Monday night, I understand. Sometimes that's just hard, but you call me. I'll drive to your house. We'll pray. You know, I I'll do whatever you want. We'll move heaven and earth because you need you need the baptism. But you just let me know and we'll go for it. Hey, okay? I'll come. There I you go. go. I'd go. There you go. <laughs> So, you know what I'm saying? Just, yes, yes, absolutely. And, because uh, you need it. And um, you have to be bold about it because just everything of the kingdom is bold. The, the, the devil's going to say, oh, you can wait a little while now. Oh, you don't really need it. You've been good. What if somebody doesn't, you know, thinks you are already? How are you going to explain to somebody that you really are not? You need this or maybe you just need a fresh touch. Maybe you, you just got baptized and then walked away from it because that's happened too. But whatever it is, you, you fight for this because the enemy is not going to give it to you easy. He is not going to give it to you easy. Um, but, um, he doesn't do it because he cares about it. Right. Well, he does. He's scared to death of it. He is scared of any spirit-filled person. That's why I love that quote. If you're not dangerous in the spirit, you're wasting your time. And I'm going, yeah, right on. That's what I say. So, well, it was just a good quote. So, all right, let me just um, pray with you. Father, um, I just thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for not letting go of this. Thank you, Father, for, for keeping us on this track for as long as we've needed to be here. And um, Lord, I, I just give you all the praise and the glory for it. Holy Spirit, do not let one seed that was good leave our hearts, but rather cause it to bring forth a crop in each of our hearts. If there's anything here that was spoken out of my mouth that was foolish or wrong, I just curse it. I curse that seed and I command it to wither and die. Lord, I just desire so much to see good fruit in everyone's life here. Um, a rich crop coming up, Lord. Victory and peace and wholeness and prosperity and, and a power running over so that we can share it with the world. Um, Father, I just... I just desire to see us be victorious. Let us be the light in the church. Let us be the fire. Let us be the start of it here, Lord. Um, we just ask this in Jesus' name, and I thank you so much for the answers, Father. Amen. 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 You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.